We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nechami, founder of Carmala Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of bread and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. Tonight's interview is with Barry Mitzman, who many of you know as a modest fashion blogger turned mental health advocate and now a self-proclaimed doer of all things, including social media consulting. During this interview, Barry shared her journey from how she started her account as a modest fashion blogger and then shifted to becoming a mental health advocate who shares really vulnerable parts and struggles in her life. Barry spoke about the difference between being vulnerable in your real life versus your Instagram life. She spoke about the behind the scenes of influencing on social media, the different expectations from followers and consumers, how it's important to have boundaries and where she draws the line between sharing and keeping things private. Barry also spoke about how she has an authentically curated account and how often things appear differently than they actually are in reality. Barry shares her struggle and journey with peripartum depression, which was really the focus of this interview, which many people don't know exists, and how she got through this extremely challenging time, how she discovered that she even had peripartum depression. Barry also shared how she decided to share some of her most vulnerable moments on her public platform and how she decides which parts to share and which to keep private. Barry spoke about the way a friend helped her by gently offering advice when she started showing symptoms of peripartum depression. And she also shared some helpful advice for those of us who have friends who are going through challenging times. This conversation with Barry is so important, so real, and I just can't wait for you to hear her story, hear her journey, struggles and victories, and be inspired. I am Barry Mitzman. I am a content creator on the platform Barryana on Instagram. I've also recently started my social media consulting business, being that I did not want to be an influencer full time anymore. I also am the founder of a nonprofit called Huckle Crusader, where we try to create practical, grounded inspiration for women. And I just do a lot of things. I think that's, I just, I am just Barry Mitzman doer of things. But as a kid, I was the same way. I was one of these like student class president, um, like biggest color word nerd, like, like I couldn't talk for three weeks after color war because I would scream so much. Very active, very loud, very unsure of myself and very concerned about people liking me. I guess that's who I am. That's who I was as a kid. Just like a people pleasing ball of energy. Right. And you're pretty much the same way now. I mean, not the people pleasing, but I'm saying you're the no, same I, way. I, I was for a long time. I was, um, that just had to take a lot of work and addressing, um, 
which is still a work in progress. I, I always say that the DSM-5 should have please love me syndrome as one of their diagnoses because I feel like so many of us have been just like convinced that we only are what we give or what people think of us. And our value is, is based on our output. And I think that that just needs to stop. Wow, we got real serious real fast. <laughs> All right. Just thinking that. Um, right. No, I, I, I was thinking as you, as you started saying that, that most of us do have that, I think, especially those of us on Instagram, because we know so many people are watching, but yeah. in general, the way we we've been, we were brought up in, at least in our community, we are constantly protecting our PR, our reputation. And yeah. I think that it's been so ingrained in us that by the time we're adults, we have to work to decondition that part of us no definitely I think it's it's there are a lot of expectations and there isn't a lot of warning I feel like like when like there's some like there were different points when after I got married being like why did nobody tell me about this and then when I got pregnant and I was struggling with really bad mental health struggles I'm like why didn't anyone tell me about this there's just a lot of like why is there no manual and I yeah. just like signed on the shiny parts and like didn't realize what the what the ramifications of that would be and like the lack of knowledge that I would have. So that's kind of why I feel pretty determined to shed light and like share information on such things so that we don't have to repeat the cycle. And I don't need more people messaging me being like, why did nobody tell me this? I would be like, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And you happen to be a huge uh, advocate for mental health awareness. Because I know that you've started as a fashion blogger, right? So how did you get into the mental health awareness aspect? So I feel like at this point, I'm definitely one of those um, poster children on social media for for mental health. And I'm like, you know what, if that's what it's got to be, like, I laugh about it. It's not like, oh, what was me? I'm like, you know what, if this is what needs to be done to like, let people know that having mental health struggles or even diagnosed mental illness, <gasps> gasp, you know, like get over it. Like it's a thing and it's more of a thing than we talk about. And you can look like me and dress like me and have a family like me and still have struggles. And I think that also demystifies the fact that anyone with mental health struggles is an unkept, pathetic human being, which I feel like is the picture that we, that we as a society have developed. Um, and slowly we're breaking down those barriers. So yeah, I started as a fashion blogger. I got like a $250 grant from my employers when I was doing outreach to get new clothes. Cause I was like, listen, if I'm going to go into these public schools and, and be a representation of modesty, I can't look like a nerd. Um, and for some reason they gave it to me. And I mentioned that like, maybe I would share things on social media, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, great, we can't wait to see social media. I'm like, shoot, I barely know how to use this. <laughs> so I think my first picture was me like taking a selfie in the bathroom in the Yeshiva day school. Um, this is long before I knew about a tripod. This was like <laughs> four and a half years ago. Um, and I'm like, my tops are anthropology and my skirts are Mimi Maxi and my headband is from this. And and people kind of liked it. And I started like collaborating with brands on a small scale. And I, I this is while I was pregnant, but I carry very inward. Um, I mean, I did for, for my 
my two pregnancies of my of my daughter and my son and so like I don't really show show until like the last trimester which people are like I'm so jealous you're like you don't understand how excruciatingly painful this is like I'm not carrying a goldfish I'm carrying a normal size like like fetus so so this is very uncomfortable um but I just chose not to share any of that because it wasn't pretty. I looked back at my pictures and I was like, oh, I had so much to learn. But, you know, still, it wasn't pretty to my standards at that point. Um, and I was just like, nobody needs to know about this. Like, why should they care? So I, so I finally started sharing after a couple months of mommy and me baby photos. Like, I took a picture. I got dressed. I birthed my daughter on a Wednesday and on Friday I got dressed for Shabbos with full makeup and did a photo shoot in my backyard. Um, number one, I didn't realize like, don't do that after your body has gone through so much trauma. Like, don't do that. Like I was still wearing, you know, those, those like the hospital underwear, you know what I mean? And I'm yeah. like, oh, yay, let me just put on this, this vintage dress and look all cute. Like I, I know better now, but I remember one day I was going to Whole Foods. I wanted to pick up some specific thing. And I went with my husband and it was five o'clock in the afternoon. And I was like, take a picture of me. Like I haven't gotten dressed in a few days. I need, I need some content. And then I was just like, I was about to post and I look at the picture and I'm just like, this is so sad. Like I got dressed a half an hour before this. And like, I feel like everybody thinks that I have this together and I really don't. So I kind of was just like, you might think this is a super cute picture of me like handling a baby and like, you know, having it all figured out. But I just want to let you know, I got dressed like 30 minutes before this picture and it was taken at five o'clock in the afternoon and I'm not managing and I'm really exhausted from pretending like I'm managing. So we're going to change things up on here and this should be fun. And the response that I got was number one, people asking me for forgiveness for shooting jealousy eyes my way because they were like, I don't understand. Like I have a baby and my baby's like almost a year and your baby's a few months and you're like killing it. And I, I'm swimming, I'm like drowning. I don't understand how, how you're doing this. So like, I was, I was jealous. And then I also got people being like, thank you for making this normal because I feel like the only person on social media who doesn't have my life together. And I realized like, oh, I guess people do need to hear about the struggles. It's not just about the cute outfits. And it's funny though, because whenever I share about cute outfits, I'm like, is this on brand? But like my my brand, it started out as a as a love for modest fashion. So I'm trying to like find that balance now because I'm like so much of my identity in my brand has become a normalizing struggle. Right. But also I really like modest fashion. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm trying to like figure out the two at this point. I've had my page for four and a half years and I'm still figuring it out. So anyone who's trying to figure out social media, like, don't worry. Don't worry. You're not the only one. Right. For sure not. For sure not. We're, it's a constant evolvement and like seeing where it takes us. That It comes down to that because at the end of the day, your brand is you. So really whatever you're dealing with at the moment, that's what you're going to talk about. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, there was a point where 
I was like, oh my God, I feel like people only want to see the vulnerable parts and only want to do the whatever. So like, maybe I should just focus on that. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm a person. I'm not a vulnerability machine. (laughs) I'm not a person that needs to just like share all of my deepest, darkest secrets. Also, that's not healthy. And I've also created a system by which like, once I feel like I have worked a decent amount on something or it's being addressed and I'm comfortable with the potential of misunderstanding, because I've had in the past where I've shared something and someone like just misunderstood a tiny thing. And I'm like, how could you say such a thing to me when I'm in such a vulnerable state? And it's like, you know what? Like, stop it. You did this to yourself. And we need to make sure that you're armed with the right support and the right um, systems in place where you can handle that. Um, sure. So I've also had to be like, you know what? You can't capitalizing on vulnerability self-promotion is not sustainable and is not beneficial for anyone so that's also something because I feel like people like you're just so real I'm like to a degree there's a lot that you don't know there are mental health struggles that I don't share publicly because I don't feel like I have a grip on it just yet or I just might not want to like I don't know if I'm ever going to have a grip on it or I don't know if I want people asking me questions about it but there are plenty of things that I have shared that I'm that I'm comfortable with. And now when people are like, can I ask you a question? I'm like, you're more than able, like you're like, I'm open to hearing your question. I just can't promise an answer. And I feel like that was major growth for me as well. Not like, hi, random stranger that I've never spoken to before, but sees all my pictures and has virtually met my family. Sure, ask me questions about my deep dark secrets, no problem. So we've definitely made some strides in that. But I, I do find it to be a privilege to be someone who's not a mental health professional but is a professional at getting help for her mental health, being open and public about that because I've, I've seen and heard from different people how that has helped them. So I'm thankful for that. And I'm also thankful that I did it at my own pace and at my own comfort level. So I didn't, I didn't sacrifice my well-being for the sake of others as well. Right, for sure. And you're, you just reminded me of something that we say, which is to share scars, not wounds. Mm. You know, um, which is pretty much what you're saying because you either been past gone past that or you see an end in sight and you right so it's interesting i feel like that's very important thing for people to remember um really anyone because as you said a lot of people do try to cap- capitalize on that vulnerability aspect especially on social media especially on social media yeah, not in real sure. life though not in real life though right it's funny would- though because a lot of those people won't tell people in their real life but then social media is a whole different thing. And I find it so strange, but it's just, I don't know, it might be seeking validation without the potential rejection from someone that actually cares about you. I don't know. But I feel like before you even share on social media, to have a person in real life who you've confided in and, and is a supportive resource for you, be it a therapist, be it a relative, be it a friend, um, having that I think is super important and to rely solely on social media just circle back basically like like share responsibly right (laughs) totally totally I think also part of the reason why people do that is because they feel like a little they feel protected with the screen they're not actually speaking to anyone next to them so it's a different level of interaction right but like I said that opens you up also to rejection and that can, that can set you back from a complete stranger. 
And that's, that's rough. Like I've had that, like, but like people who were saying nonsense, you know what I mean? I had someone who reached out to me who was very, I already knew that this person wasn't well. And it's the, it's the, it's most often the loudest people on social media who have the least um, real life interactions. Someone basically overanalyzed a picture of me. Like I was very pregnant. Um, trying to balance myself on a rock. My friend Micha was, was doing pictures of us and my arm wasn't around my daughter, okay? So I got a whole message about how I clearly don't have a proper attachment to my daughter. So being pregnant and having another child before I develop a proper attachment is completely irresponsible and how wrong it is and whatever. And I was having my own questions about, am I a good mother? So this very clearly unwell human being. And they were like, well, you're projecting. So obviously this means that this is true because you're saying I'm trying to hold myself up and not fall off a rock. And it's just a picture, but you're being defensive at me spewing ridiculousness on the internet. So like, obviously this is true, but I like lost it. And of course I needed to share and have people give me validation that I'm a great mom, da, da, da. Not that they know, not that they know. Right. But, you know, it, it, it definitely opens you up and makes you susceptible, even when you know it's completely illogical and ridiculous. Sometimes things might hit on a certain note for you subconsciously and it'll, it'll, it'll set you back. So eight out of 10, don't recommend. <laughs> Not gonna <laughs> 10 out of 10, but just, sh- yeah, sharing wisely is important. And, and I know with myself that when I've shared things that could be a little heavy or a little bit private, you would say, I would go to my husband and I'd say, here's what I wrote up or here's something that I want to share. What do you think? And every single time his thing was, I think it could help a lot of people. And that's kind of been the driving force in a lot of what I've shared in the past, my mental health struggles, my peripartum depression and both pregnancies, you know, um, my chronic illness chronicles and all of that. It's truly for the sake of, of aiding other people. And I mean, if you're driving forces, anything else, you're going to burn out. 100%. Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, you need to have a, a real why, a very strong why yeah. to do this. How did you feel about sharing these vulnerable moments and struggles? Was it hard for you to, like, are you naturally like that? Or was it hard for you to, to get to that point? Well, I mean, with the, with the knowing my why, it was definitely easier. I mean, at first sharing something like that can be uncomfortable due to like not knowing what the response is. It's more of like, I'm ready, like, sure, I'll, I'll like share it. But then it's like the waiting game between sharing you know, that like, that like period of time between the sharing and, and the, and the reaction. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, that that's, that was like the most intense for me. Like I just put something out like major from my life. It is to help people. And like, what if it doesn't, then why did I just do this? What is happening? You know? So <laughs> it's it now I've become more used to it. I'm not even sharing necessarily as much, but I think I'm just talking more nonchalantly about the things rather than making like an announcement. 
Yes, I got that. <laughs> like, so it's more of like, yeah, whatever. I had a setback and I'd stay in bed, you know, like, oh, hey, I was a genius and I reinfected myself with stress like, <laughs> with a toothbrush. Change your toothbrushes, people. They literally tell me this after. I'm like, hey, doesn't seem like the strep's going away after five days of antibiotics. Well, did you change your toothbrush? Well, did you tell me that? <laughs> so, you know, for the sake of like normalizing mistakes, normalizing struggles, things like that, I don't know. I think it's just because I've had the trial and error and I have more of an understanding of the process and I curate more, it's curated authenticity. I'm not sharing everything, but I'm sharing authentic facets of myself. Right. And I think that that's, that just makes it easier. For sure. For sure. And I think that a very important point to bring up is that you out of all people are probably one of the most vulnerable influencers really. Um, out there and people feel that they know you because you share so much, right? But they have, it's very important to remember that no matter how much you see online there, you, you, you're just getting a glimpse of someone's life. Oh yes. Oh yes. I feel like I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends who I'll say, let's say for an example that that's, I've seen many, many times is that I've found that influencers who have financial means, who do not share their struggles often on social media, get a lot of flack and ask, and are asked to apologize for their financial standing because they're not sharing any anything. So like, obviously, like if someone, let's say has a baby and they're like, you know, you really shouldn't want that you have help or like that you have so many baby gifts or that you, you know, got a gorgeous necklace. Like these are almost like universal at this point. So I'm not like even speaking about anyone specific. Right. But it's like, you know, just like they're not sharing the the hormones of birth. They're not sharing the potential family strife or drama when it comes to celebrating a new birth. Um, they're not sharing a lot. And I feel like some people are like, well, if you just shared the other parts, then maybe I wouldn't be as annoyed at you for having, for sharing such perfection. But at the same time, you can't expect people to share what they don't want to. And I feel like there's unfortunately an unhealthy expectation from consumers to, to get that authenticity and to get that vulnerability. And some people are just not interested. Doesn't mean that they don't have struggles. It means that they're simply not interested. And I think that we need to respect that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think consumers have to realize that influencers, you don't own influencers. You don't own the rights to make decisions for them. You're coming into their space and experiencing whatever they want to share and take, take, take what you want from it, you know, enjoy it, get inspired. And if it doesn't inspire you or make you feel good, then maybe you just unfollow, you know? Yeah. There's definitely some drama about unfollowing and like, oh, but I can't unfollow this one because if I do and she sees, it's going to cause a problem. So maybe I'm just going to mute. And I feel like it, we're, we're back in like second grade and I, and I don't like it. I feel like if we could just be like mature and be like, listen, your content is just not my speed or I don't like I'm curating the stuff that I see on my feed that makes me feel a certain way. 
And like, I can still like you as a human being and not enjoy your content on social media. And I feel like we need to detach those two. And right. I, I don't think it's detached enough. Like your, your online persona is not your identity. Like if somebody doesn't like watching like someone spin around in pretty dresses, why would you get personally offended by that? That's not who you are. That's just you spinning around in pretty dresses. Right. Well, I mean, if that's who you are, that's really sad. And I feel like you should get a hobby or like find some meaning in your life. But yeah, there's a lot of emotion attached to it. And I feel like we all need to take a little bit of a step back and, and get out of our like hole that we dug for ourselves in social media and start taking responsibility. Right. But also you're referring to two things, I think. Someone who you're actually friends with or has, you have what to do with them in real life. So you have to say that to them. But I'm, I'm thinking really the people, the consumers who get upset that influencers are sharing or not sharing certain things, right? You're not, you don't have to give them a speech. You don't have to tell them that you're unfollowing, just unfollow. Yeah, I love those announcements. I think they're hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I, I always say that I, I made like a policy. Like if you're announcing your unfollow, I'm blocking you so that you don't have a chance to come back because if you felt the need so badly to leave, then I just want to make sure for you that you don't succumb to the temptation of coming back. So I'm going to help you in that because you felt so strongly that you needed to, you needed to leave that I'm going to, I'm going to help you stay strong in your convictions. It's like, it, it's been the best policy and it's, I used to not block because I'm like, oh, but followers and, and maybe they'll come around. Like, no, if you're going to do something like that, I'm going to help you stay true to your choices. <laughs> Good for you. Listen, you're protecting yourself. So that's all, that's all that matters. Right. Yeah. So you've spoken about your struggles with mental health, depression, anxiety, postpartum depression, chronic illnesses. And you've definitely mentioned the peripartum depression on your page, but I feel like that's something that we should speak about more because so many women don't realize that this is the thing because postpartum depression is, is more, more common um, and spoken about more really Peripartum depression does not get a lot of press. It really doesn't. So let's start off by you telling our audience what it is exactly. What is peripartum depression? I I very often define peripartum depression as postpartum depression coming early. So you having those same symptoms that you've heard about been tossed around the the very strong deep anxiety or depression. Um, that can impact you after you've given birth um, can actually happen due to the same hormone, you know, imbalances and things moving around while you are still pregnant. And the term isn't isn't even known. Like the fact that we have to define it, and I'm defining it by using the term postpartum depression is is just really sad because that proves how much we don't know and how how we're so uninformed about it. And I realized that so many people were uninformed about it. I myself was uninformed about it. Um, I guess I'll start off with my experience yes. with it. I was pregnant with my daughter who is now four and just a light and a bundle of just deliciousness and spunkiness. If you follow me on Instagram, you 
you know her, you love her. Um, she is the queen. Um, I flew to New York, um, like the end of my sixth um, month, beginning of my seventh month. So just entering my, my uh, third trimester. And I went to visit some people. I went for a wedding. Um, friends of ours who met at our at our own um, like happy occasions got married. They dated for a while, so it was it, it took a couple years. They met at our wedding, and then like a couple years later, um, you know, they got engaged and they got married. So we went to their we went to their wedding, and while we were in New York. I, I wasn't feeling well. My allergies started acting up and clean up sinus infections. So I got a terrible sinus infection. And then um, I was staying in Brooklyn and I got a call from a friend of mine that someone that I used to work with and I drove to work with every day for an entire year when I lived in Muncie um, lost her battle um, to a brain tumor. And I was in New York, so I was able to drive up to Muncie and go to the um, to go to the funeral. And I remember standing, and like I said, I carry very inward. I looked like I was a little a little like bloated, and I had to ask someone. I was about to pass out. I had to ask someone, "Look, hi, I'm very pregnant. Can I please sit?" Because there were so many people at this funeral. She was 25 years old, um, and a gem in the community, and. I remember going home still feeling really sick and I was definitely, definitely upset. And I just chalked it up to circumstance. Um, and I already told my husband, like, I have a history of depression and anxiety. Like if after I have the baby, I start, you know, showing signs of depression, like dragging me by my hair to the doctor and get me on medication not for a second did I think that it was possible to have those symptoms before I gave birth. So I started completely losing interest in things. I stayed in my bed. I would just be like glossed over. Um, I had no interest in eating and seeing people and being active. I just retreated and things were getting pretty heavy. And the little like seed that was planted in my head was actually from my friend who was pregnant at the same time she was born like she gave birth about a month before me and she said you know my 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 depression actually got really bad and I went to the doctor and he put me on medication I'm like you're allowed to be on medication when you're expecting like that's even an option she's like yeah I spoke to my doctor and we weighed out the pros and cons of each different type of medication and he put me on this one and 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 I'm starting to feel better and I was like I didn't even know that was a thing and then another friend of mine mentioned something passively to me about a book she was reading and tried to like hint to me that the, the feelings that were, I was having were common, but didn't want to like preach or like shed light on something I didn't like fully come to realization yet. But she was also kind of planting seeds. And I remember one night I was laying in my bed and um, my daughter was being quite active in my stomach. And like I said, carried very inward. So there was a lot of partying on my organs. And I was just laying there one night up and I thought to myself, I said, I swear, if you kick me one more time, I'm going downstairs and I'm getting a knife and I'm cutting you out because I can't handle this anymore. And after I thought that just like a big fat red siren just started going off because I'm like, wait a second, 
how do I not want this anymore when I wanted to have kids since I was eight and I was a youth group leader and a babysitter and I ran my own day camp by the time I was 16 like this doesn't make any sense like something's really wrong here and the next day I called my doctor and he gave us options and I'm like should I go on medication should I not go on medication he's like come into my office on Monday we'll have a conversation like I called him after hours because it was it was pretty important um, and I went into the appointment and he looks at me and I just started crying and I looked straight at him saying like, please help me love my baby. And he got me on medication and they took some adjusting and weaning onto it, um, like gradually so that, you know, the effects wouldn't make me feel too sick. And thankfully by like, you know, a month and a half after that, I was like back to being myself. And I was just very thankful that once she was born and I had her in my arms, none of those thoughts were there anymore. Because I can't imagine having those thoughts after such a grueling time period of, of sickness and pain and heaviness and just like body changes to just be like, I don't even want this. So, so I even planned on preemptively doing that with my son, like just getting on medication anyway. But I started having the thoughts, you know, seventh, eighth month. And I was like, yo, fill her up, baby. Like, let's get my prescription. Let's get on this. Um, but at least I like knew what was coming. Right. So that, so that definitely knowing what's coming and knowing that it's a distinct possibility and that there is help for it. Not just like, this is what's going to happen and you're going to have to deal with it. Buckle up buttercup. Like, no, um, knowing what's coming or what might come definitely makes it easier and knowing your options. So the difference, the stark difference between birth one and birth two or like pregnancy one and pregnancy two rather um, was stark. And it's clear I didn't share any of this until after Yedis was born. Um, I wasn't in a place to share any of this. I would have thought I'm a terrible mother for thinking these horrible thoughts. And to think that, you know, someone might say, you know, maybe you shouldn't be pregnant if you have these thoughts, you know, leaving myself susceptible to that when I wasn't ready wasn't, wasn't a choice for me. So I did it after she was a few months old, I believe. And the reaction was unbelievable. I mean, I had people telling me like, I was not willing to get pregnant again because I didn't know what was wrong with me. And knowing it now that this is, this is likely what I had and that there's intervention, like I might be comfortable discussing with my husband, you know, trying to conceive again. That's like the most dramatic, you know, I've had yeah. like, you know, like very, you know, thank you for validating this. Thank you for sharing this. I struggled this and that, you know, or think, or like, Thank you for your vulnerability. I obviously shared like the most intense one first. Um, but, you know, some people even don't say anything. And that's, and that's fine too. I don't need that. But I'm just, I, I don't like that I experienced this at all. But the, but the fact that I'm in a position to be able to share um, this information to help other people, like I said, it's my why. Um, so I feel honored to have been able to do that though I would have preferred to not have been in that circumstance to begin with for sure right right 
Wow. What an impact. That's, that's really amazing to be making such an impact on other people. I mean, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable for me to think about. Cause like, I don't know. I just think I'm a person. People ask me like, do you think you're famous? Cause like everybody knows you. And I'm like, I think I know a lot of people and I think a lot of people know me, but I don't connect that with being like famous. Like I, I laugh cause like we're such in a micro community. Like, yes, in my community, I'm well known. And like, I'm part of this column and like one of these newspapers and like we asked Jewish celebrities and I laughed so hard. I'm like, I'm literally just a person. And this term is ridiculous, but I guess I, I, I try not to think about it because I don't want it to mess with my head. And like to have that pressure of like, this could impact a lot of people. It's like, you know what? This could, this could help people. This could help one person. It helps one person. It's worth it. But otherwise I feel like the pressure would get to my head and maybe I wouldn't share. Right. I get that. Yeah. So, so how did you get through besides for medication? How did you get through the rest of the pregnancy? What, what helped you? So definitely medication. We already said that I, um, found a therapist, um, who I then continued with, you know, bringing in my stroller, sometimes even nursing my baby during the sessions is hilarious. Um, movement. I found this like amazing prenatal yoga exercise on YouTube with Lara Dutta. That's her name. Um, and it's like, you are one with your baby move like you're moving with the ocean. And I'm like, this is amazing. It's so zen. Um, and got me to like move my body in a very gentle, calm way. You know, I still have it like in my head sometimes. And it like makes me feel very zen. You are at one with your baby. And I'm like, yes, I am. You know, <laughs> it's it just also trying to have more social support. I had friends who I told them I'm going through a rough time. Like, and they would, one of my favorite things, um, that one of my friends said once when I shared with her that I was going through a rough time, her, her response was, how can I be here for you? Not, is there anything I can do? But how can I be here for you? Like, what would be helpful to you that I can do? And I also had to exercise being comfortable with saying, you know, I really need something from the grocery store. Or if you're making a little bit of extra food, if you can make stuff, some for me and my husband, that would be great. Um, or you know, I think after it was nice, like after Mel was born, we, my son, my daughter was a year and a half um, when he was born. So the age gap was quite, quite, quite small. So like for a few weeks, someone asked like, would you like us to take your daughter on Shabbos afternoons for a couple hours? Yes, please. So this little one and a half year old would go play with the little eighth graders and they would take care of her. Like I said, she's a diva. So everybody loves her. Um, being able to say yes was something extremely helpful because um, I was too prideful. And I also didn't think that I deserved anything. I didn't deserve help. I didn't deserve whatever. There are other people that probably need this or why are you spending money on me? Or why are you doing this for me? Like, I'm not worthy. I didn't, I didn't do enough for you for you to do this for me, you know? So I also had to work through that type of nonsense um, Mindset in chips. order to get through. Yeah, but it was a bunch of nonsense. And I feel like 
a lot of us have to get over that in general. And it's not just with peripartum depression, it's with whatever struggle. If someone wants to offer you help while you're struggling, be graceful and take it. Yeah. For I sure. also practiced, I practiced at Trader Joe's when they said, you know, I would, if they asked me if I would want someone to help me take my stuff to the car, I would say yes, sir. And then the next step of that would even ask them, can someone help me to my car? So I was able to do that because I was pregnant. I'm just like, grab my little stomach and be like, someone help me to the car. They'd be like, of course. And they would just be so happy to do it. Like, like everyone in Trader Joe's is happy. Like there's no risk. There's no risk here. So definitely practice at Trader Joe's and then be able to, (laughs) to slowly, you know, apply that to other parts of my life to like friends and not just Trader Joe's employees. Right. Right. That's amazing. It's so true, by the way, like no matter where you go, any Trader Joe's in any city around the world, they're like that. Yes. I love them. Yeah. They, they helped me heal in my accept gracefully journey. So thank you, Trader Joe's. This episode <laughs> is not sponsored by Trader Joe's. <laughs> so we'd love if you did. I know you spoke about being concerned that it would affect your relationship with the baby having peripartum depression, but you mentioned that it didn't, right? Is that? So when I was feeling this, um, and this struggle during my last trimester, I was concerned that once the baby was born, that I would feel nothing or feel resentment. And I didn't want that happening. Um, and I feel like in the future, God willing, if we're blessed, you know, with, with more children at the right time, I, if, you know, peripartum depression wouldn't hit, which I, I, I doubt that would happen. It seems just like that's, that's the way my body works. Um, I would still preemptively get on medication um, because I feel like the the baby is still a theoretical in utero. Having the baby born, and I choose I choose to try to breastfeed my children, to not have an attachment, and then have to go through all of that pain to to try to feed my baby. Um, just I don't think would have been successful. So I would very likely preemptively get on medication before my due date, knowing that postpartum is, is almost guaranteed if I'm not already on medication. Um, yes, did I have some baby blues? Yes, was I stressed because my baby wasn't sleeping? Like my son didn't sleep for like the night for like his first 10 months of being on this earth. Um, yeah, but it's 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 very different. There's a huge differentiation between baby blues and and um, full on depression. And I think you can tell the difference. I've spoken to to many clinicians about it. You can tell the difference between with the intensity and the duration mm-hmm. um, are two of the biggest factors. Um, but I was, I guess you could say, blessed with some really intrusive, dangerous thoughts which were enough of a, you know, like I said, in the beginning, when, when I got back and I was feeling like this deep depression, I was like, yeah, but it's circumstantial because I just lost a friend because we had a lot of travel. It's because I got sick, but the big red sirens going off were what got me to get help. And honestly, it was my friend who mentioned, you know, I'm going through this. I got on medication. I didn't even know medication was an option. So it wouldn't have occurred to me. And I just would have been like, okay, I just have to deal with this alone. Right. Um, and I think there's an important point there of like, you never know who you're going to help 
my I don't know if my friend knew that I was going through something. I think she just shared. She's one of my closest friends from like childhood. And her just sharing that information with me while I was expecting as well was so eye-opening. And I don't know if I would have gotten the help that I needed had it not been for her. So I guess the the message from that is like, if you think something might be happening, or even when someone's in the early to mid stages and you know them and you have enough of a relationship with them to provide them with some information, send them to this podcast, send them to some websites, send them to a book, let them know a little bit of information gently and not like, oh, I'm diagnosing you with something or just like, hey, I don't know if you knew about this. This is something that could potentially happen. Did you know? Like, I never knew about this. I'm like, I really struggled. And, you know, I heard this thing that like, if that it's very likely you can get on medication, like it's so interesting, right? And being able to to share that information without, you know, trying to diagnose someone or push something upon them that they might not even have, um, I think would be a great way to inform someone. And it goes back to the thing of like, why didn't anyone tell me about this? Like, okay, here we go. I'm telling you about it. Might not need it. And I hope you don't. But if you do, here you go. Right. For sure. Yeah. And that also kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about being vulnerable with people, real people in your life, because she was able to help you through sharing her own experience. Yeah, definitely different than the unsolicited advice from a random stranger in my, <laughs> in my message requests. Right. Very right. different. <laughs> so I know you mentioned that you struggled with peripartum depression during both of your pregnancies. Is that common? Do you, do you happen to know if that's how it usually works? If someone struggles with it the first time, will it happen again and again? So I have no idea. I just know for myself with my history with depression and anxiety that like with the hormones changing a lot of this to my understanding is based on the shifting of hormones and the hormones the shifting of those hormones can mess with your mind literally I have friends who had you know post-birth psychosis I have a friend who like was screaming at her son's circumcision she was like you can't give him a circumcision he's the messiah like you can't do that and like she never had a history of mental illness in the past. Mm-hmm. Like she disclosed that to me. I'm not like just assuming, you know, right, right. Um, you don't know what this, what, what these things are going to do to your body. I mean, you know, having a child is an incredible blessing. Um, and sometimes the journey is not that great. And sometimes the journey afterwards is not that great. And I think we need to be aware of the possibilities and the potential of it not being so great and what to do about that so that it's better than you know what it is what, what can what can what can soften that experience what can improve that experience you know i made that mistake of glorifying pregnancy and post birth um you know on my instagram before i finally was just like you know i can't anymore i made that mistake and i realized that that was just not not the right path And I learned that this is just the way to go. Like being aware of yourself, um, reading up, um, listening to my friends and 
a lot of my friends are mental health professionals. I think it's so funny. Um, there was a time where I was going through like a real crisis and I asked them if, they would, if, if I could become their client and they're like, then we can't be friends and I'm not interested. Um, which I was flattered, but also like, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> um, but finding that, that support and also being real with yourself and with them so that they can support you um, is the right way to go. Definitely learned from my mistake and don't, don't do that on social media. It's just not fair to the rest of us. Right. You know, unless like, you know what? I can't say that because ever we, that goes back to me just being like, everyone can do what they want on social media. They really can. And I think it's our responsibility to discern from there. But if you're trying to specifically hide struggles for the sake of content, then like, not for your followers, but for your own sake, like get the help you need, take a break. Maybe focus a little less on the externals and focus more on like, what needs to be addressed. Like if you have a devoted audience, they'll wait for you, which is also something that I learned. So true. Yeah. So if you could tell family and friends how to support someone going through peripartum depression, I know you mentioned some things earlier, but is there anything else you'd want to add? So I I guess I just want to repeat the term, how can I be here for you? Because it, it, lets people know that you are there for them and you're ready and willing to do what they need rather than, you know, for me, my love language is I'm bringing you dinner. But if someone, but for someone else, it's like, I don't want your food from your house. Like that's not helping me. I'm so happy that you feel better now that you set up a meal train for me, but I don't want that. So the question of, of asking and then being, and, and then actually giving the person what they need as opposed to what will make you feel like you were there for the other person um, is extremely helpful. Um, If someone asks you for recommendations for therapists, if you have those or recommendations for resources or podcasts, if you're not the person to give advice, send them to a podcast, send them to a book, send them to a blog post and be like, oh, I remember you mentioned this. Like, I don't know if this will help, but I'm thinking of you. Just finding small ways if they don't, if they don't personally express how you can be there for them or, you know, allowing them to also say, I don't need this right now and not getting offended. It's huge. Um, it, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of ego work, but if you can do that, um, I think that would mean the world to the person to know that like, they don't have to worry about upsetting you when it's just something that doesn't work for them. Right. For sure. That's a great one, actually. And is there anything that you would like society to know about this, about peripartum depression? I think society needs to get over themselves with the thought of a superwoman. I think it's just, it's just, it's tired and it's exhausted. It's just, it's not true. And it just makes life so much harder for the rest of us. And if society and family and community can get off their high horse, you know, thinking that mental illness is not a thing. If anything, with peripartum depression, there's literally physiological evidence that can prove this is happening. So get over yourself and get over your hangups about therapy and medication and do it for the sake of your loved one. Because you're high horse and your 
opinion of this all being nonsense is hurting someone that you care about. Right. Yeah, for sure. I actually have an Instagram live on my Instagram page, Bariana. I interviewed um, five clinicians from a, an organization called Nefesh Achat Israel or Just One Life Israel. They are they are an organization that helps women struggling during and after pregnancy. And you can gain a lot of information about the specifics of peripartum and postpartum, you know, anxiety and depression from there. Um, I'm honored to have had the conversation and, and I know that I'm only limited to my own experiences and that when you're looking for real information, your best bet is to, is to find a mental health professional who addresses this. Right. Okay. Um, you can also take that out if it doesn't work for you. Right. No, no, no. I think that's very important. That's, that's a, that's a very important point to share because, um, I, uh, this is your story and it's not, doesn't necessarily reflect how everyone else's experience. Yeah. Was, anecdotal, so. anecdotal experiences can be very helpful in inspiring people and in, in comforting people. Um, but when it comes to individualized um, treatment or action for an experience, um, anecdotal is not enough, which is why I do not give, I do not share what medication I have been on. I do not share, you know, um, different types of medications other people have been on. That's not, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not an OBGYN. I am not a you know, licensed mental health professional. And this is one of the places where I say, you know, leave that to the professionals. Um, you also just don't want to, don't want to be responsible for someone else's choices. Um, everybody is different. Every situation is different. And with the limited information that you have as an individual and not as a, not as a professional who knows how to ask the right questions, that can be very dangerous. Absolutely. For sure. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everyone, which is what is something that you hope the next generation of women won't have to struggle with? Ooh, that is a solid question. I hope that women do not have to struggle with the question of getting help versus being a disappointment to society's expectations. I hope that women don't feel that by getting the assistance that they need in their struggles, they are failing at being the person that they're meant to be. I think we have a lot of that now, but I'm thankful that there are so many people out there who are destigmatizing such prevalent, widespread struggles and are empowering people to get the help they need to become the best, their best selves. I think that that's extremely important and we need to let go of this association of being a disappointment if you need assistance. I remember calling my teacher in seminary, uh, I think I was like 19, and I was updating her on my life. We used to speak like every week. And then I realized, you know, the more the years pass, the more students she has to speak to on a weekly basis. So I, you know, kind of took a step back. Um, at that point, I mentioned to her, you know, I, I, I like I whispered almost I'm on the phone. Nobody's home. I whispered that like I, I got on, you know, um, I got on meds. And she's like, 
you and the rest of the world. You think <laughs> that that there there weren't dozens of other people in your class that were on medication. You don't think that in my you know decade of being a madricha, it's probably a couple of decades at this point. You know that that I haven't seen people like literally the entire world is on medication, Barry. Like get over yourself. And that isn't to say, you know, there are people who are going to say, I'm not like, okay, good for you. We're saying this at the point of this is more prevalent than you think. And if you think that you're, only, you're the only one, you're not, and you should be proud of yourself that you've actually chosen to take care and responsibility for your own well-being. And I find that to be a strength. Does that mean that people who don't have mental health struggles and aren't on medication are not strong? No, they are very likely strong in other areas. I'm speaking specifically in this. I know that there are people who get so defensive and it's like, oh, so anyone who's who's strong and developed has to have gone through mental health struggles. Like, you know what? If you haven't gone through me- mental health struggles, God bless, but I've yet to find one of my friends who hasn't. So it's more of like, maybe take a good hard look and see if uh, if there's something you're not telling yourself. Totally. Oof, that was yeah. harsh. That was harsh. Okay. <laughs> it's reality, people. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Everyone has their struggles for sure. So, uh, Barry, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? They can find me on Instagram at uh, Barryana, B-A-R-I-A-N-N-A. They can find me at the Women of Valor podcast or the WOVLife.com. I am not as consistent and dedicated as you are. Um, so, you know what? Power to you. Um, <laughs> but there are a decent amount of podcasts there. Um, if anyone would like to listen and if you go to my website, barriana.com, you can learn more about, um, how cold the state or the nonprofit and the, um, high holiday companion that we've been working on. So you know, let's just Google my name, see what comes up. Who knows? <laughs> Wait, Who knows? Gonna, yeah. And I'm going to put all that information in the show notes. So people could it will link straight to your platforms. Um, okay. So Barry, thank you so much for joining me today, sharing your story and being so vulnerable and real. It's really, it was really a pleasure having you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K and on our website, carmelacosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 